Welcome to Matthew's World of Wine and Drink, an educational podcast dedicated to teaching you all about the world of wine, the different grape varieties, the different regions, and the history and culture of wine. As followers of mine on Instagram will know, I'm just back from a trip to Spain, spending two weeks there, which was a really real fun trip, uh, quite busy, visiting lots of wineries, different regions. Flew into Barcelona, spent a night in a seaside town just half an hour south of the airport, which was very pleasant, and then we flew to Sevilla, spent a couple of nights there, went to watch a football game in the Seville derby between Real Betis and Sevilla, which was extremely exciting, and then went down to Jerez and stayed a few nights there, visiting as many producers as I could fit in in the short time I was there, which was extremely enlightening, and then flew up to Bilbao, spent a few nights in Logroño in the heart of Rioja and visited a few producers there too, and then finished up in San Sebastian and Bilbao, drinking quite a bit of the local wine Chacoli. So I just thought I'd share some of the things I learnt on the trip uh, from visiting producers and being in the wine regions, and Sherry and Rioja are of course uh, the, the two most famous and historic wine regions in Spain. So first of all, Sherry. Or the Sherry region, the Sherry Triangle. We were based in Jerez, the biggest town in the region, which was actually a lot bigger than I was expecting, and more vibrant and dynamic as well. A lot happening there. I was a little fearful that visiting Sherry would be a little sleepy or a little old-fashioned, or just not having the vibrancy because it's a small region, a small style of wine in decline in terms of volume at least, but a lot more going on in Sherry and it's a lot more exciting and dynamic than I was expecting. So I came away with a bit more optimism about Sherry than I had anticipated. Uh, First of all, uh, the Sherry region is the most visited wine region in Spain. Maybe that says a little about wine tourism in Spain in general, that it's not as developed as it could be, but nevertheless a lot of people visiting the Sherry region because it's such a famous style of wine. And Gonzalez Bias, which is by far the largest winery these days in Sherry, is one of the most visited wineries in in Europe, not just Spain, but in Europe as a whole. So I was told that they receive a thousand visitors a day, but when I actually visited Gonzalez Bias, they told me they get about 200,000 visitors a year. So not sure what the exact figures are, but one of the most visited wineries in Europe. And wine tourism in the region is quite developed. We also visited San Luca de Barrameda, the second biggest town in the region, and that's a very pretty town on the coast, so very nice to visit. You get the ocean as well as all the the wine wineries to visit. There's a bull ring, there's a castle. Um, again, a bit bigger than I was expecting. And then the smaller of the three towns is Puerta de Santa Maria, which again is very pretty on the coast. And so, not just for Sherry, there's lots of re- reasons to visit the region uh, besides wine. There's really good there's good food as well and it's a very pretty region there's a, a nature reserve right ne- right across the bay from San Luca de Barrameda and so although wine tourism was surprisingly developed in the region I think there's scope for more and uh, incorporating uh, visiting wineries with also visiting the w- region as a whole the wineries themselves do have do have tours um, that you can go on um, quite educational and you go through all the bodegas so there's lots of history and old barrels and really evokes that sense of place and of course visiting those bodegas is really important because the styles of sherry all come about from where they are produced where they are matured and although the vineyards are important as in any other region they're, they're just the starting point 
it's where the wine is uh, produced that affects the style. So we visited Jerez where the, the wines are a little bit fuller, it's a bit warmer, a bit drier. Whereas in San Luca, the wines are more um, delicate, more elegant, uh, because they're nearer the coast. So it's a bit cooler and a bit more humid. And the humidity in the bodegas is extremely important. They want to maintain humidity of around 70%. And so the, floor, the sandy floors are regularly watered to maintain that humidity. And the bodegas are extremely impressive places to visit. Uh, some of the tour guys describe them as cathedrals, and they certainly rise high up with their vaulted ceilings and, beamed, um, and beams holding them up. And these are designed to maintain the cool conditions all year round. And so there are large windows in the bodegas as well, which remain closed and covered when it's warm, but they can be opened to allow the poniente wind to blow through from the um, Mediterranean which cools uh, the, the bodegas down and then close when the Levante wind blows in, which is the hot wind blowing in from the east. So despite um, that dynamism, that vibrancy in the region, which surprised me a little bit, there is still a definite hangover from the 1970s, which does affect perceptions of sherry and also the, the work that sherry producers have to do to uh, pr promote their wines and to sell them. The 1970s was a high point in some ways because more sherry was produced in that decade than in any other period of sherry's history. So in many ways it's very successful. However, it was all inexpensive, low quality wine. And so certain styles of wine were invented just to feed the market, like uh, pale cream or medium. And these were all sweeter styles of sherry. It's also when um, Harvey's Bristol cream was very famous. So again, sweet sherry, inexpensive, not particularly good. And that, um, although those wines were very popular for a while, they really did cloud people's judgment of sherry. And still these days, people think of the wines as being sweet and not very good. And so the volume of sherry has declined significantly since the 1970s, which makes it look like an industry which is in so much decline that it will eventually die because it goes down so much. But we have to remember that it's going from an unsustainable high point in terms of volume, and now it's getting it's getting back closer to where it should be. Maybe uh, sherry could be producing a little bit more than it does. It's about six and a half thousand hectares of vineyards planted, so it's quite small. But what producers are concentrating on is increasing the value of the wines. So though um, volume decreased last year by just under 4%, the value of the wine sold actually rose by 12%. So it's really driving consumers to quality sherry and generally the drier styles of sherry as well. So although the industry will remain small, um, and there may not be a huge amount of money to be made in sherry, it's actually, it seems a bit more um, sustainable now with the increase in, with the focus on quality rather than the unsustainable volume that they had previously. But it's still a challenge. Exports um, are still centered on the more inexpensive, sweeter sherries. Quite a few producers making um, wines for private labels, for example, supermarkets in the UK or in Germany, which are still centered on the inexpensive sweet styles of sherry. So for instance, Barbadillo, a large producer based in San Luca de Barrameda, they make 350,000 cases a year, which is a pretty substantial amount. And quite a bit of that is um, for the private labels. They also make a lot of Manthania, biggest Manthania producer in the region. Uh, they're based in San Luca where Manthania is of course made, and Manthania is the most uh, drunk style of sherry within Spain itself. So whereas um, exports 
are more centered on the sweeter styles of sherry, the drier Manthania is for domestic consumption, and certainly within Jerez, and also Sevilla as well, which is about an hour's train ride away, uh, Manthania is widely available in all the bars, and you see pe plenty of people drinking it. So a good, uh, strong, local consumption base. And again, looking at Barbadillo, their biggest selling Manthania is called Muy Fino, and it's purely for the Spanish market, and they make 100,000 cases of that wine a year. And then a wine that you may recognize because it's sold internationally is Soliar, which is another Manthania, and they make 60,000 cases of that every year. So that's a lot of Manthania to be making, 160,000 cases, and that's just one producer. So again, a small industry, but perhaps more, uh, perhaps larger than um, you might expect. Also visited Grupo Estevez, which is located in a very fancy uh, building just outside of Jerez, and um, inside there are just barrels and barrels and barrels. They're another large producer. Their, their Manzanilla Laguita is actually the biggest selling Manzanilla in Spain. And there is a little bit more money in, in Sherry than I was expecting, especially Grupo Estevez. We uh, were just walking around having a tour of the winery and then and then our guide took us past the room and she said, oh, this is where we keep the Picasso. Do you want to go in and have a look? And I said, of course we do. And they have a room of uh, rare Picasso sketches and drafts. And so um, a little more money, um, maybe, in some of these families. We also went to Bodega Tradition, who have built up in a very impressive collection of old sherries. Um, we tasted through their uh, Solera systems for the Fino and the Amontillado, and the Amontillado goes back 40 years. And then we finished in their art gallery, where there were a couple of paintings by Goya, one of the greatest of all Spanish painters. So um, there's some history and, and money in Sherry still. Also commercially important in Sherry is brandy, and probably as important as Sherry itself. Um, a lot of it's um, cheap. There's about 100 million bottles of that substandard, sherry, uh, substandard brandy made. And then there's another 60 million bottles of higher quality brandy. And quite a few producers do make good, good stuff. Fernando de Castilla, uh, Gonzalez Bias, um, Osborne also make brandy. So it's a, a dominant um, style. And also vermouth is back. Um, a style that historically has been made in sherry but wasn't uh, particularly important but now demand driven by Italian vermouth um, vermouth is just drunk in every bar in Spain that we were visiting particularly martini but also um, domestic vermouths as well and then there's some really good quality coming out of sherry uh, Lustau in particular but also Fernando de Castilla their vermouth is fantastic and a range of styles as well mainly uh, red and sweet but also uh, white and drier so quite a lot going on in, in sherry and then we went to Rioja in northern Spain where I found uh, wine tourism a bit more developed than the last time I visited where it was almost impossible to get into any of the wineries because they were closed. But in um, the small town of Aro, uh, there is the Station District, which is seven um, historic wineries located near the train station, which um, used to play a very important role in Rioja because that's where the wine would be uh, shipped from. So that's why the wineries are all located around the train station. And so we visited uh, Lopez de Heredia and uh, Gomez Cruzado, um, also there that where we didn't visit are Luriaca Alta and Muga. And uh, so they're really gearing up for tourism, getting people to visit, and getting people to know the station district and these seven wineries. Uh, most of them are from the 19th century, a couple of them, like Muga, from the 1920s. Uh, so really 
Okay. The aristocracy of Rioja all located next to each other, so getting visitors to uh, tour around them. Uh, Rioja is an attractive region. It's a it's a valley. It's got mountains to both on both sides, north and south, which play an important role. Uh, when I teach about Rioja, I always emphasise the mountains to the north because they um, shield Rioja from the Atlantic Ocean. So you get a bit of a maritime influence, but not too much. But also important, perhaps more than I realise, are the mountains to the south, which protect Rioja from the the warm continental climate of inland Spain. So Rioja is quite sheltered. This also means there's a lot of variety in the planting of the vineyards with mountains on both sides, altitude is important, or the effect of the mountains and how much they shelter or expose the vines. And so this is uh, promoting new trends within Rioja for single vineyard wines or regionally specific wines, as opposed to the historical practice of regional blending. So traditionally producers would simply get their grapes from all over uh, Rioja, blend them together and label the wine as Rioja. And we do know that in Rioja there's three sub-regions, um, Alaveza, La Rioja Alta and La Rioja Baja, which can um, be specified and producers can talk about them. But now um, more ambitious producers want to go deeper than that and actually go into sub, uh, smaller sub-regions and single vineyards. And so that's a definite trend, though it's a slow-moving one. It is a traditional region. And so how to label these wines, how to promote them, how to talk about them, is still something being discussed and debated. Uh, there is a new category called Vineyardo Singular, which means single vineyard, which some, some producers are very excited about because it means they can label their wines as single vineyard and promote the idea of terroir. Others are a bit more skeptical because they don't feel that the category, category actually recognises quality. It's just a single vineyard which may be really good or not. So they'd like something a bit more um, organised and Burgundian, if you like. So we'll see how um, that develops. Also um, interesting, there's more single varietal wines being made. So again, uh, moving away from blending, blending regions and blending grapes, actually promoting single vineyard, single varietal wines that may be from a single vineyard as well. And that obviously focuses on Tempranillo, which is the most planted grape in the region, but also there's more Garnacha being made and single varietal Garnacha, which uh, echoes trends across Spain to take Garnacha more seriously. And so at Gomez Cruzado, we did taste a single varietal Garnacha, which comes from a small region that in, within Rioja, which I hadn't heard of, which was the, the Nahero, and this is where there's a lot of Garnacha planted, and it used to be just for Rosado, because the it was a little too cool for Garnacha, and it was a, it was a struggle to get the grapes fully ripe, but now with the warmer growing conditions, the Garnacha will get ripe, there's old vines, and um, that's a, a region to look out for, for successful, good quality, single varietal Garnacha. And then within Rioja, there's plenty of investment. Uh, Gomez Cruzado is owned by a Mexican family. And then we also went to Ramon Bilbao, which is a large producer who make uh, all styles of wine from across Spain and also spirits and liqueurs. And they're um, launching a new winery called La, La, La Lomba. And that again is all about um, single, single vineyard wines and promoting the regional and terroir distinctions of Rioja. And those wines are going to be quite pricey and worth looking out for as part of that trend to promote a regional variation within the region. Of course the highlight of the trip to Rioja was Lopez de Heredia, 
one of the most historic producers and it's quite an experience to go there. They uh, take old-fashioned and old-school to a degree that I've never seen. Very proud of the huge number of cobwebs that um, decorate the winery and also the mould growing on the wall and then all the old equipment that they use. Um, their fermentation barrels are 100 years old and more built by the original uh, founder of Lopez de Heredia and then they have hundreds and hundreds of old old oak barrels slowly aging. Their latest Grand Reserva is the 1995 so they do not rush things and then they still have a cooper on site as well and we got to see him making a barrel again using old traditional equipment. Our guide stressed that the winery was not a museum, everything was still in use but it did feel like we were visiting a living uh, museum uh, definitely somewhere that has to be visited and it's incredible how good the wines are but also how relatively clean the wines are given how dirty the winery is and then we finished in San Sebastian and Bilbao and we drank lots of Chacoli which is the local wine high acid low alcohol white wine with a little bit of spritz to make it even more refreshing and it's just perfect uh, to, to drink as you go from bar to bar in San Sebastian, eating the pinchos, those really small bite-sized dishes, just having a glass of wine that isn't heavy, isn't high in alcohol. It's a perfect food wine. And so we visited one Chakali producer, Amas Toy, which is located in the beautiful village of Gitaria on the Atlantic coast. And this is one of the most spectacularly located wineries I've been to, overlooking the Atlantic Ocean. We were lucky it was a sunny day, and so you have the the blue sky, the blue ocean, and then the green vineyards just sloping down to the coast. Um, an astonishing place to visit. And again, wine tourism seems to be in growing in importance here. Chakali is an historic style of wine going back to the 19th century, but it's only been commercially sold for the last 20 years or so. Uh, so they're just uh, building up the industry. And Amistoy have a new tasting room and also a hotel which is opening um, early next year. Uh, and it's an incredibly beautiful place to visit, so I'm sure those efforts to attract tourists will be successful. And the wines of Amistoy and other Chakali we tried are very good, and I feel that now that they're more commercially established, these wines are just going to get better and better. And Amistoy are experimenting a little, a little bit. They have the regular Chakali, they also have one aged on the Lees, which was superb. Uh, one aged in oak, which was a little, little bit less successful, but an interesting experiment and um, they have a rosé which is really good and then they also make sparkling wine as well both white and rosé which works really well because of the high acidity and naturally low alcohol definitely worth a region worth visiting and the wines worth trying for sure so that's a uh, summary of my trip to spain some of the trends and some of the new facts that i learnt to traditional historic regions in sherry and rioja and then the emerging chacolite style of wine so I'm Matthew, and this has been Matthew's World of Wine and Drink. Thank you for listening. <laughs>